This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today on episode 92 of Podcasts Royal, we finally got the Sussex coronation decision and more details about the coronation weekend are emerging, including who will be headlining the coronation concert and what to make for the coronation big lunch. Plus, Prince Louis makes his Easter debut and the family wore blue again. We've also got a new royal read and a new royal documentary to introduce you to all in this episode. Welcome back to Podcast Royal. Rachel, we've got a lot of updates to talk about today. Let's jump in and get started. Yeah, let's do it. But I wanted to take a moment before we get into the Royal Rundown to read a very kind listener review. We really do love these listeners. If you want to give us a five-star rating and leave a kind review like this, you don't, you just don't know how much it makes our day. And we love the kind DMs as well. So this is from Lisa LR, who titled her review, They Do Their Homework. We do, actually, as a matter of fact. She writes, the hosts do their homework. That's appreciated, as is the fact that they don't worship the Sussexes. We don't worship anybody but Jesus, so just saying. Uh, Back to you, Lisa. I also like the fact that they're not goofy and silly. Well, Lisa, you're sometimes not here for... uh, for our recordings because we we do sometimes bust into giggle fits back to lisa they take their subject matter seriously a good balanced effort well thank you lisa it really does mean so much and that made my day and i'm sure it made your day too yes it did i was just laughing to myself listening to all your commentary about that and she's probably (laughs) regretting leaving that review now Well, look, I'm just glad that we come across as somewhat professional because we're not like, well, I guess, am I technically now a professional royal commentator? I mean, they, I, I, I get paid to do this 40 hours a week. So I guess maybe I am a professional now, but heretofore, we are not um, professionals. We just like the royals. So, but we're just people just like you and we just love the royals just like you. But anyway, we do have a bit to get into and a lot of it is coronation related. But before that, let's talk about Easter. So let's jump into the royal rundown. Yeah. So since we last recorded, we saw the royals out for their Easter Sunday walk to church. And this year, for the first time, Prince Louis was able to join the family. So we were all really excited for that. You know, we also had our famous trending royal color, like I mentioned at the top of the episode. So the king and queen, as well as the Wales family, were all in blue. And I actually asked our followers on Instagram if they had noticed this recent trend, um, you know, and most people agreed with me and felt like it sort of seems like some unofficial, official color of the royal family mm-hmm. lately. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know you noticed it, Rachel. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, how could you not? I mean, we've been talking about this on the episode, or on the episode, on the show for a few episodes now. Now I will say that the whales back when they were the Cambridges last April or last Easter, I should say, I don't remember when Easter was last year, but they wore blue then too. Um, Catherine, I'll take one, a 
one from you, Jessica, and call her Catherine and not Kate. Catherine wore, um, I think more of a, like a baby blue color, a robin's egg blue color, if I'm not mistaken. And now she was out in royal blue. Maybe that's the point is that royal blue. But um, yeah, I mean, this is not a coincidence. And, well, that, and- I think that's when we first started noticing it was last year because we talked about it during the Jubilee as well. Yes, we did. We did because yeah, you're right. And so it's just, I mean, this is not a coincidence at this point, actually spoiler alert. I am working on a story about this exact thing because I just, there's just no way that this is not a coincidence of some, it's not a coincidence at all. I don't think. Well, let's dive in a little bit more. So Catherine's look was not at all what I was expecting for Easter morning. She was in a rewear of a Catherine Walker coat dress in, like you said, this royal blue color. She had a matching hat and clutch. And I know you also spotted this, Rachel. Um, a lot of people were saying she was showing off her rebellious side because she was rocking bright red fingernails. And we have heard for so long that, you know, the late Queen Elizabeth did not like bright or dark colored nails. You know, she really preferred that faint polish. And so we haven't seen Catherine in a bold nail color like this until now. I'm curious what you thought of her look. Well, she looked beautiful. I love the color. I don't mind the blue, but at some point it's going to get overkill because her late (laughs) majesty wore such a rainbow of colors, so many different colors all the time. But at a a certain point, we're going to tire of the blue. I'm not there yet, but I'm just saying it's going to happen. But let's talk about the nails for a minute. So I think a real misnomer and misconception is that it's some kind of royal protocol that royal women do not wear color on their nails. Now, I would find it incredibly creepy if in Buckingham Palace somewhere there was a big, thick protocol book that told women what they can and can't wear on their nails, on their bodies, or whatever. I don't think that exists. But when Her Late Majesty was alive, her personal preference, what everybody knows this, it was even a question on who wants to be a millionaire. What is her majesty, her late majesty's favorite nail color? And all of, not all probably, but a lot of our listeners are out there screaming Essie ballet slippers, which is the pale pink. Her personal preference was pale pinks and nudes, but she, and so because of that, the women in the Royal family kind of followed that lead because she was the lead. She was the matriarch. She was the monarch. Well, she is no longer with us. And so that has now opened, I don't know what Charles's favorite color, nail color is. We haven't talked about that lately. So it's been a couple of years since we had that mm-hmm. conversation, but I mean, I'm obviously joking, but um, because there is no precedence anymore, I think women are able to be more bold. And this is not the first time Kate has worn um, a red pedicure before I know Megan wore, she got a lot of flack for this, wore a, oh gosh, how do you even describe that? Like a purpley, like a dark nail color once. Um, But so I don't call this rebellious. I just call it, there's the precedent is, is new again, I guess, if you want to say that, that there is no precedent like this anymore now that her late majesty is gone. And she has more freedom. I do think mm-hmm. it's interesting, though, that, you know, we've seen Kate maybe go a little bolder in, uh, you know, engagements that were not big official royal family events like the Easter service. So I do think that this is notable that she did this at this service because normally we don't see her go so bold at an official royal event like this. And I loved it. I mean, I thought she looked great. Well, I think to your point about the 
you know, they're not being a, a rule book lying around somewhere. You know, I think it's one of those things that just kind of morphs over time. You mm-hmm. think about ladies should cross their legs when they sit, or, you know, we typically wear a dress to or a pantyhose or a wedding, you know? Yeah. And, and they're, you know, just things that sort of evolve over time because that was a preference of someone at, at, at some point. And I think that's kind of, you know, sort of what we've seen here. Um, but I will say I am a pastel girly when it comes to Easter attire. Mm-hmm. I love the pinks, the lavenders, the baby blues, the light yellows, like those are just Easter morning colors for me. So I did not love the dark blue and the red nails for this event. Um, Mm. And in another event, I think it would have been totally fine. Uh, But I always look forward to like, she wore, um, was it like a creamy color a few years back? And then yeah, Mm -hmm. like the lighter kind of baby blue or, or Robin's egg blue last year. Even last year was more pastel than this year. Yeah. And and I love the lighter colors. So um, she looked great, but like I said, it wasn't my, my favorite for Easter morning. Yeah. I mean, so, I would agree. I, I thought she looked great. It was, was it my favorite? No, but, um, but it, it worked. And, um, and I do kind of like the, the color coordination amongst the whales in particular, like the sure. five of them, like they were, I mean, they were dressed like if, like, if you put like matching family in the dictionary, it would be them. So. Well, and let's let's talk about some of the other outfits. So Prince William and Prince George wore navy suits. Princess Charlotte had this blue floral dress and a navy coat and these really cute light blue tights. And then Prince Louis also had on a navy coat and tie. And he had light blue shorts that really matched Charlotte's tights. And he had his navy knee socks. So they looked great. And, you know, blue, while we're on colors, was not the only trending color, in my opinion, on Easter morning. I saw some pops of pink with other members of the royal family. So Zara Tyndall was in a hot pink dress. Sophie, the Duchess of Edinburgh, was in this bright pink coat, and she had this tan hat and boots matched with it. And then Princess Beatrice was in a pink dress. So I'll ask you, Rachel, while we're on the color conversation, did you prefer the pinks or the blues? And do you think the color coordination between the two tones was planned? Ooh, that's a good question because I'm thinking back to the Christmas Carol concert when they all wore that like burgundy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I don't think that any of these things are coincidence. I mean, nobody, when have you ever been to a family gathering where everybody showed up in blue or everybody or half people showed <laughs> up in blue and then everybody else showed up in pink? I mean, like that's, that's just would be a remarkable coincidence if that happened. Um, by the way, I love hearing you call her Sophie Duchess of Edinburgh. I'm still not over that. I'm really excited about that. And I have something I want to say about Louis, but, um, I, I mean, I think pink personally is a more traditional, like that shade, like those shades of pink are more traditional Easter colors. Like I tend to agree with you about the pastel looks for Easter, um, because that really, it's that it's just the season for it. Right. But, um, and, and blue, blue hasn't tired on me yet, but I'm getting a little close to the line. Um, but so I don't know if I had a preference on either. I mean, I thought everybody looked great, but I do not, I just, I can't believe that. I think that there's gotta be like a Royal group text or something mm-hmm. happening. And they're like, what color do we want to go with? And, um, but what do I know? But Louie. Okay. So 
<laughs> after the platinum jubilee and his antics there i think that easter this is just me talking i don't know this obviously but i think easter was the trial run for the coronation <laughs> <laughs> and they were like okay because this is louis first Easter. he's about to be five on april 23rd happy early birthday louis and so i think easter was the test drive for the coronation and could could Louis keep it together? And there's some pictures of Louis looking up at Kate or Catherine, whatever. And he's got this look on his face that basically is like, okay, mom. Like it's like the like classic okay mom face. And I think that Easter was the tr- the test run for the coronation. I thought he did really well. I mean, he wasn't out, I don't know how he did inside the church, but you know, he looked pretty well behaved on the outside of the church. And so Louis will, we've talked about this, Louis will be at the coronation on May 6th. So I think he passed the test. Yay. Go Louis. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think he did really well. Good job. Louis. Also saw Prince Andrew walking with the Royals on Easter morning. And this had some eyebrows raising mostly because he was close to the front near uh, the King and Queen. And there were some people who kind of felt like from what I saw online, some chatter, that, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been walking with the family at all. Some people felt like, you know, he shouldn't have really been so close to Charles and Camilla. Um, and, you know, maybe he should have blended in a little bit more. So I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Rachel. I thought about this a little bit. And I feel like while this is a public outing, I don't really consider Easter service with the family an official working engagement. I know right. that's maybe kind of a gray line, but to me, it feels more like a family gathering that happens to be publicized. Um, You know, we saw several non-working royals there. So, you know, I think for that reason, I don't feel like he should have been banned from attending this event or or walking with the family. But I do think it was interesting that he was walking really close with Princess Anne and her husband was really kind of back near Edward and Sophie in the photo that I saw. Um, So I'm not really sure why they were in that order. And you know, I don't know if, if that was planned at all. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I am completely in agreement with you now. Nobody will ever call me a Prince Andrew fan. Okay. I'm not, but this is a family event. It's a family church service. And so do I think he should have his patronages back, his honorary military appointments? I do not. But do I think he should be allowed to attend church with his family? I do. You know, everybody needs church and maybe Prince Andrew more than anybody else. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not offended by this. I, it's a family event. He's there with his siblings. Let him go to church. It's mm-hmm. all good. Yeah, that, that's where I fell on this as well. So I hope everybody enjoyed our Easter recap. You know, those types of events are always fun to talk about. And we had a lot of opinions. all over the place with me. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the next item. So for listeners who are eager for all the coronation updates, and I know some of you are out there because I see your messages on Instagram, you have come to the right place this week. We've got some updates to share since we last recorded. So let's jump right in. The first and most obvious detail is that Prince Harry will attend the coronation, but Meghan and their children will stay behind in Montecito. So we'll circle back to this update shortly. But I do want to go ahead and run through some of the other updates that we've had this last week. Let's chat about the crown jewels that we'll see at the coronation. Um, This is, you know, a a fun update that I feel like it's just really interesting to learn about the crown jewels and Mm -hmm. and 
their, you know, their symbolism and how they're used. So in case listeners are not familiar, the crown jewels belong to the Royal Collection Trust, and they are kept safely in the Tower of London. Part of the crown jewels include some of the pieces that are going to be used during the king's coronation, um, specifically the orb and scepter in the crown. So these jewels have been used in coronations for hundreds of years. So there's lots of history here. And we'll break down each one a little bit. So the orb is a hollow gold sphere. It's got a cross standing on the top, and it's decorated with hundreds of stones, including diamonds, rubies, emeralds, sapphires, pearls. You know, in the ceremony, the orb is placed in the king's right hand by the Archbishop of Canterbury, and then it's set on the altar. So the other piece we mentioned was the scepter. This is a gold staff, and it also has diamonds and emeralds and rubies and sapphires on it. And at the top of the scepter is a diamond known as either the Star of Africa or the Cullinan One Diamond. Rachel, this diamond, let me tell you, it is 530.2 carats. Wow. I mean, can you even fathom that? No, and I kind of love, I got to tell you, I love the pomp and circumstance and ceremony of all of this. Like, I can't wait to see all of this. Me too. It's just incredible. So the scepter was actually a gift from South Africa back in the early 1900s, and it is a symbol of power and duty. And then, of course, we've got the crown. So King Charles will be crowned with the St. Edward's crown during the ceremony, which uh, this crown was created in the 1600s. It's made of solid gold. It's got more beautiful stones on it, including diamonds, garment, garnets, uh, tourmalines, and it weighs in at five pounds. That's so heavy. That's heavy. Uh, yeah, heavy I was trying the head to... that wears the crown. <laughs> right, right. I was trying to imagine what five pounds would feel like I'm I feel like I would have to actually get something that was five pounds and and try it on but I was thinking man I hope he's been doing like his neck muscle workouts you know that he's sitting there with that crown on his head practicing like and has been doing so since September probably like he's He's like reading reading the paper in bed every morning with the right right he's been doing his workouts I I I know Charles well enough to know that he's been practicing So we'll also see the king and queen riding in some really beautiful coaches for this event. First, we'll see them riding to Westminster Abbey in the Diamond Jubilee State Coach, and then they'll return to Buckingham Palace in the Gold State Coach. The trip from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey is known as the King's Procession, and the trip back from Westminster Abbey to Buckingham Palace is called the Coronation Procession. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting how they have so many names for things. I don't know how they keep up with all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you are familiar with the coaches, you'll recognize the ones that we're talking about because we've seen them in the past, um, you know, at either other events or, or pictures online. But the Diamond Jubilee State Coach is a black coach with gold wheels. It's got a gold crown on the top. Um, apparently, this coach is much more comfortable in, um, inside of it to ride in than the other one. So I was trying to remember back when I took a ride in this coach if I thought it was more comfortable. <laughs> We've got jokes tonight. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. Um, no, it you know, it's newer than the Gold State coach, which is 260 years old. So, you know, I'm assuming with the newer models, they get better technology and... So they wanted 
half of their trip to be a more comfortable ride. I think but if the- I'm not mistaken that her late majesty or somebody called the gold state coach a brutal, like a brutal ride. Like that's a tough ride. So, um, I, I mean, yeah. it's, worth, it's worth it, but that's a 200, as you said, 260 year old coach. Well, and that's what it sounded like. I was reading about it online and I, it might've been, I can't remember if it was Queen Victoria who wasn't a big fan of it either. So the gold state coach is, I mean, it's clearly much more grander of the two when you look at it and it is gold. I mean, the whole thing is gold. It's been used in every coronation since William the fourth in 1831. It takes eight horses to draw this coach and it only moves as fast as a walking pace. So, I mean, that's a pretty slow ride. Mm -hmm. And while it is really heavy, it's actually, it's not made of solid gold. I mean, I I can't imagine how expensive that would be, but Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's made of what's called gilt wood, which is actually wood with a gold leafing over it. The interior is upholstered with velvet and satin, and the panels on the exterior have paintings of Roman gods and goddesses. Then over every wheel is a gold triton, and there are cherubs at the top, and each of the cherubs represents England, Scotland, and Ireland. So um, I enjoyed learning about that. That was great, Jessica. Like that's, that's so much that I didn't know, and I'm about to know all this because I'm about to write about it, but so many interesting facts. There's so much history here. And even if you do not like the Royals, which why would you be listening to our podcast if you didn't? But even if you don't, the history of this is so fascinating. Absolutely. I think it's just going to be so much fun to see. I agree. I can't wait. And so soon, less than three weeks now. So it's coming. Like, I just remember when it was months and months and months away, and now it's coming so quickly. By our next episode, when our next episode comes out, the coronation will be in three days. Just put it that way. So that's, I I can't wait. And by the way, new change coronation chicken, no more. The first (laughs) official recipe for the coronation big lunch on May 8th has been released. And it is a dish I love, but honestly was not expecting for this. It's coronation quiche. So I'm wondering what you think of this choice. I, I have to tell you was not expecting quiche. Well, I love quiche. It is a good quiche is always fun. So I actually was really excited to see this. Um, I know there are some people on Instagram who are saying that they were planning to make it. And I did find the recipe online. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the ingredients were a little unexpected in this quiche. And I know you're about to read them out, but um, mm-hmm. but I would be curious to try it. So I may, I might actually make it as well. Well, we should. And so the recipe is online and the dish features spinach, broad beans, and tarragon. The recipe calls for homemade or store-bought, in my case, always store-bought pastry dough tucked into a tin filled with beans, cheddar cheese, spinach, and tarragon. The tart is then topped with a liquid mixture of milk, cream, eggs, herbs, and seasoning, and then it's baked to the crispy gold that you see in all the pictures. The vegetarian quiche can be served hot or cold with a green salad and boiled new potatoes. And I'll tell you what, that actually sounds fantastic. And now I want quiche. Now my stomach well, is And so think good. about how perfect is quiche with a nice cup of tea? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I can't, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think of quiches being an especially British food, but maybe it is. I don't know, but, um, I haven't, I, I think haven't it's, I think it's more French. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I haven't had quiche in a while and now I really want it. So, um, 
I'm into it. So the ceremony, as we all know, is May 6th, which is Saturday. The big lunch is May 8th, which is Monday. And in between that is May 7th, Sunday. We were a little worried about the coronation concert at Windsor Castle because it seemed that so many acts were declining. Ed Sheeran, Adele, Spice Girls, Harry Styles, on and on. But the headliners, this is interesting, are actually two American acts, Katy Perry and Lionel Richie. Andrea Bocelli, the British pop group Take That and others round up the lineup. I heard Kylie Minogue was going to perform, but then I didn't see her in name in the article I read. So I don't know if she's no longer. I don't know. We've heard rumors that Bette Midler is performing at the concert, but she is not actually. So that's unfortunate. But I'm really excited for this show. I'm wondering what you think. You know, it's an interesting lineup. Not <laughs> really. What I, <laughs> I, just, I don't. I don't know what Katy Perry's gonna do up there. Like she can be. She she can be very bold and like you know brash in her performances as she has every right to be. But I just we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's very it's very diverse. Like when I think about like now that you say that, it's like it's very it's, it's a very interesting mix. It will, it will be an interesting concert. I'll be curious to see which songs they choose. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't know that King Charles was a Katy Perry and Lionel Richie fan. Well, I read this and he's worked with both of them in different patronages of his. So that's, so they know each other. Like they have, yeah, they I did hear that together. So, um, so that's, that's awesome. I just think it's interesting <laughs> that it's two American acts that are headlining it. So what does that mean? Or doesn't mean anything. But by the way, the coronation program went out yesterday in the UK. And one of the photos in it, which is the 2018 photo that was taken for Charles's 70th birthday by Chris Jackson, which we literally just spoke about that photo on our last episode. So go listen to episode 91. If you haven't already, that's a great chat with with Chris. But that photo in particular is generating a lot of headlines right now because Harry and Meghan are in it, of course. And that seems like a big olive branch that Harry and Meghan did Mm. make it into the coronation program. And speaking of olive branch, let's circle back to the Sussex coronation decision. So I was wrong. This is not Mm -hmm. the first time that has happened and it will certainly not be the last. I'll admit it. I said that wherever, whatever Harry and Meghan did, they would do as a united front. So if they were going to stay in California, they'd do it together. If they were going to go, they'd go together. That is just, in my opinion, so them. But of course, we've all heard, and Jessica already said it, that Harry is attending and Meghan is staying behind with the kids in California. So Harry apparently had a heart-to-heart with Charles at some point, and that pushed his decision to be a yes. And honestly, I mean, I'd love to see Megan there, of course, but she's probably doing the right thing by not going. And let me tell you why I think that, because that way, hopefully the focus can stay on the King and not on the Sussex slash Royal family drama. Plus it is Archie's birthday. And I have heard that this is going to be like the most exhausting day of Harry's life. Harry is going to try and do it all. And he's going to attend the ceremony, which I, if I'm not mistaken, is at 11 AM London time. And then immediately board a commercial. And it's like underscored, underscored that it's a commercial flight, not private. Okay. We get it back to LA to catch Archie's birthday party that evening. So that's going to be like the biggest whirlwind day of jet lag. And I've also heard that Harry will be staying at Frogmore for the final time when he is in the UK. I do want to note here that the RSVP came out. Now that's not saying that like they 
gave the RSVP on April 12th, but the RSVP came out nine days after the April 3rd deadline on April 12th. So any thoughts on that? Well, you and I were both wrong because I do recall a few episodes back, we did predict that they would be there together or not be there at all. And that prediction was wrong, as you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I don't think we're the only ones that got that wrong. I think a lot of people kind of felt that um, because we do see them together a lot. And I do agree. I think, you know, this is probably the right choice um, for, for Harry to go and, and be there, even, even though Megan and the children are, are home. I think this is a huge day for his father and, mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those things where you put your differences aside and you show yeah. up and you go there to support your family because at the end of the day, no matter what, you're family and, and you love each other despite your your challenges. So one thing that does seem a little odd to me, though, is this around the world trip and one day to make it back for Archie's birthday I still don't understand the need to have a party on his actual birthday. I mean, in real life, this does not happen. How many times have you had a school function on your birthday or, you know, a holiday or it coincides with something else? And so you've got to have your party on the weekend or, you know, at another time. So that just feels unnecessary to have the added pressure of having to travel around, you know, all the way back to your country like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they couldn't have pushed the birthday party to a different day. When Archie's four, he doesn't know the difference between Saturday, May 6th and Sunday, May 7th or, you know, Tuesday, May 9th or whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, I agree, but Hey, look, I'm just happy Harry's going to be there because this is a once in a, lifetime for all of us unless we were alive in 1953 event and you just can't you can't replicate it you know there's never going to be another chance to be there for your dad like this and truthfully this is the biggest you know royal event of and until probably his father dies which may be in the long distant future and so I'm really glad that he is going to be there and I just don't think that any family rift is worth missing something like that of your dad's I just I, I don't so I'd also like to know how you think the social interaction will be between Harry and the rest of the family who to my knowledge he has not faced in person since Spare came out so this is going to be the first time that he's in the same room with Camilla for example and uh and possibly Charles and definitely William and Kate and everyone. So um, how do you think, how do you think that's going to go? Well, this is a very formal event and I do think the rest of the family is going to be putting on their respectful um, faces and, you know, in an effort to honor Charles and his day. I don't think the interactions will be any more than, you know, a polite gesture, a smile, standing by someone, you know, like they'll, they'll put up with it. They'll go through the motions. And remember he's not expected to be on the balcony, which is normally where I think we would see them be chatty and smiley and interact together. Mm-hmm. And that opportunity is not going to be there. So I think it would be sort of like if you, you know, attended a wedding ceremony with someone in the chapel, like you really don't have a lot of opportunities to interact and talk during the ceremony. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think we'll see them kind of, you know, 
be in the same vicinity, but there won't really be a lot of opportunity for chatter aside from like a polite smile or maybe a wave or, you know, whatever. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I mean, I've, I've read that the seating plan is such that William and Harry aren't even going to be, you know, able, like, I mean, if they wanted to, they could interact, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so like, you know, that every single camera is going to be fixated on William and on Harry, just looking for like that one glance at each other. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like a wedding, you know, you, you go in, you sit down, you maybe have small talk with the people that are sitting around you and then you process out and that's it. And it doesn't sound like Harry's going to, I'll be interested to see the seating plan, who is seated by Harry, like who he is around. Um, But I mean, it doesn't sound like Harry is going to stick around long enough to, you know, go to the, even the lunch or he won't be on the balcony, as you said. So it just sounds like he'll be there. He'll see it. And then he's, he's out. And so he's, I, but you know what, look, he's going and that's, that's what, that's what should be the main topic of conversation is that he will be there. I also wanted to say one more note about the coronation. It is not lost on me that Harry and of course, William too, will watch their stepmother, Camilla, which Look, I'm going to I'm going to get over this at some point, but let's just be honest, there's a lot of baggage there. Be crowned side by side alongside their father in the same location, Westminster Abbey, where their mother, Princess Diana's funeral was. That has not escaped me, and I just think that's like really got to be a little hard, you know? I mean, and maybe maybe they're more mature than me, but I don't know. Well, you know, I'm glad that you called that out and made that point because I think I do think with everything going on that has probably been lost on a lot of people and that's, that's an emotional thing to think about, you know, it's, yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes they'll have events like the Carol concert at Westminster Abbey, which William of course was at, but Harry wasn't, but I mean, like, I don't know how many times they really go to the Abbey. I mean, it's not every week, you know, I mean, it's a place that's sacred and, you know, big, the big stuff happens there and it's just, it's just, it won't be lost on me. So I can't imagine that it will be lost on them. So I just wanted to call that out, but Robert Jobson, we have had him on the show before. He's a delight. I've actually met him. I'm going to total name drop and sound like a total try hard here, but I've actually met Robert Jobson in person when I was in Boston. And I like fan, I was actually with one of my friends who had driven down shout out to Mary. I don't know if she listens to the show, but she had driven down to hang out with me in Boston. And, um, I mean, in the Royal world, Robert Jobson is a legend, but outside of the Royal world that we live in, I don't think that many people know who he is. No disrespect to Mr. Jobson, but, um, I, I absolutely fangirled out like in <laughs> Robert Jobson, is just a man, right? Like he's not like, you know, like Denzel Washington or Harrison Ford, like when you run into them in the hotel. But when I ran into Robert Jobson in the hotel, I absolutely had a fangirl moment. Like I couldn't even get my words and that's weird. And I'm sorry for that, Mr. Jobson. If you're listening. <laughs> like I, like I really, he's a legend. Anyway, he has a new book out that I feel I have written like seriously 500 stories for Marie Claire on the book is called Our King, which came out last Thursday, April 13th. By the way, we're obviously not getting paid to promote this and we haven't even booked Mr. Jobson on the show yet, but I'm just bringing this up because it's so doggone juicy. So among some of the bombshell revelations I've written about, Kate allegedly said that the walkabout with Harry and Meghan two days after the queen's death on Saturday, September 10th, that famous joint walkabout at Windsor was the 
hardest thing she's ever had to do, according to the book. Also, that the Duchess of Edinburgh title will eventually be Charlotte's um, after Edward dies. May it be in the far distant future. Um, we've talked about this a million times. It will revert back to the crown. And so, um, you know, Charlotte's only seven. She's about to be eight. And so, you know, by her adult life, she will be Duchess of Edinburgh, according to the book. And, you know, kind of common, like, it's kind of a little bit known at this point. Also from the book, Megan will according to Mr. Jobson, will likely never attend a royal event again since she is skipping the coronation. I actually don't know if this is in the book. I think this is was him commenting in like all of the press tours that he's doing after the book because the book came out April 13th and like how would like the decision came out April 12th. So how would that have made it to the book? But this is still all Robert Jobson. Um, but as I was saying, Megan, Mr. Jobson says Megan will likely never attend a royal event again since she is skipping the coronation with the possible exception being Charles's funeral and hopefully the far distant future that this is from the book that Harry cursed out Charles over money. And afterwards the queen and Charles stopped taking his calls that the late queen called Harry and Meghan's behavior, quote unquote, quite mad. This is all from this book. I need to get my hands on this book. After the Oprah interview, Charles and William agreed to never speak to Harry alone again. They would have to have someone else in the room with them. On and on and on. So many juicy bombshells. So I have not yet read this book. It just came out last Thursday. And normally I try to get the jump on these books and read them in advance. And we usually have them on the show, but I haven't with this one, but I cannot wait to read it. And maybe I'll just read this as like a normal person, not someone like preparing for an interview because I, it's going to be juicy. So check that out. And Robert, I, Robert, I, I see, I call Robert Jobson, Mr. Jobson, but I call King Charles, Charles. So what I know, me too. anyway, Robert, Mr. Jobson, um, also said in a subsequent interview that I, I find this juicy as well, that Kate harbors resentment towards Megan because Charles did not want Megan at Balmoral when the queen was dying and, or passing away the day she died. So he asked Kate to stay behind in Windsor on September 8th so that it would be easier to tell Harry that he couldn't bring Megan, thereby robbing Kate of the opportunity to say goodbye to her late majesty, although she had already passed. We know that by the time that that plane of royals, um, William, Edward, Sophie, so on, um, and then Harry's subsequent plane, they were not on the same plane. By the time that they all arrived in Scotland, she had already died. Um, so she wouldn't have gotten the chance to say goodbye, but she would have had the opportunity to pay her respects and to be there for her husband. So um, that's juicy too. So yeah, check out our King if you're interested. I mean, it looks like it'll be a great read. Also, you know, a lot of the um, the things that you mentioned in there, I feel like were sort of speculated about at the time, mm -hmm. but we just didn't have any sort of, um, you know, book confirming these things or, you know, right. any other any, anybody voicing it, you know, as if they knew more confidently. So really interesting. I had never heard the bit about Kate saying that the walkabout was the hardest thing she'd ever had to do though. And, and she, well, go ahead. I, I had not heard that either, but it was pretty apparent. It was difficult for her at the yeah. time. And by the way, we should clarify that Mr. Jobson writes that it's not the hardest thing she had to do because it was 
so sad about the queen, although it was, but she meant that she, that they had to interface with Harry and Meghan. That's, that was the implication. There. Well, and I think too, it's not even just, just that, but I think there's, you know, the layers of having to yeah. show up and do something when the relationship is so strained and you know, the things that have been, you've been accused of and have been said about you and you have to keep your mouth shut about it. You know, I mean, that's tough. Yeah, it is. Um, although Kate, if that is the hardest thing you've ever had to do, then I need you to get out of the palace and come live life. Cause I mean, like, I, I'm I sure- don't know. I, I can wrap <laughs> pass on this because, you know, all the world's eyes were on her and I, I can't imagine what that had to feel like. I think that was probably, probably pretty tough. I'm not downplaying it, but I mean, if that's the hardest thing that someone has to do is go on anyway, I digress, whatever, but, um, to each their own, everybody's got their own journey, but there is also a new documentary coming out on April 20th, which is in, uh, two days from the day this episode comes or no, I'm sorry. One day from the day this episode comes out called the real crown inside the house of Windsor. And one of the bits from it that I found really interesting is that queen Elizabeth denied her uncle, King Edward VIII, or uh, by then the Duke of Windsor, or David, colloquially, his dying wish to grant his wife Wallace an HRH title. So Queen Elizabeth said no, and it apparently broke his heart, and he felt that it was a slap in the face. So even though Wallace, by marriage, was the Duchess of Windsor, she never had an HRH status. She was never HRH. And I found that interesting. The documentary premieres on ITVX on Thursday, April 20th. It also talks about how the queen wanted both William and Harry to serve their country, but saw going to war as a risk too great for William, but was deemed okay for Harry, who did two tours of duty in Afghanistan. And here we go again with the air and the spare dynamic conversation. So that is definitely a documentary worth checking out as well. So now listeners, you have a book to read and a documentary to watch. So we've totally um, taken up your weekend this weekend if you don't have plans. (laughs) So we, as we wrap up the Royal Rundown, we got a listener question. I think it was a DM about Royal books and which are our favorites. And I hate to, God, I really hate to send anybody back to episode one of this podcast because we were such young and naive podcasters. Like I really hate to do this to you, but I do. And to, to answer your question, what are our, what are our favorite Royal books? I encourage you to go back to episode one. I think it's episode one for our Royal entertainment guide and all the books that I said there in that episode in November of 2020, I still stand by. And then from November, 2020 to present day, if you want to know our favorite Royal books, we've had them all on the show. So, you know, if you see a, a author chat about a Royal book, consider that one of our favorite Royal books, then, you know, read all of the books we featured on the authors of the show. So for example, Robert, I mean, we've had so many Royal authors on here, Andrew, Martin, Robert Jobson, Robert Lacey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that will keep you busy for a long time. That's definitely, I think she asked for three, my top three, and that's like my, that's 30 books right there easily. So personally, I love Tina Brown, Penny Jr., Andrew Morton, basically all of the books by every author we've had on this show. And I haven't read it yet, but I just plugged Our King and that certainly sounds juicy. Um, yeah, that's so, on my list. That That's yeah. what I'll be doing next. Yeah. yeah. So happy reading. I'm a huge book lover and am a big fan of everybody reading. So check out those books and thank you for the question. 
All right, Rachel. Well, we had a really full episode today. Lots of fun updates, lots of juicy information, as you said. Uh, do you have anything else before we close it out? I don't think so. I just can't believe that, um, you know, in two weeks time, we'll be days away from the coronation. Also, happy early birthday to Prince Louis on April 23rd, Princess Charlotte on May 2nd. And there might be, of course, Archie on May 6th, but we'll have an episode by then. So lots, I, springtime is the time for, for royal babies' birthdays. So happy birthday to everybody that has a birthday between now and then, including you listeners, if you have a birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. And we are hoping everybody has a great rest of your week. Always remember to send us a DM if you have any questions on Instagram or you can email us. Um, and while we're on it, I'll close this out. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. And as I said, you can email us. Our email address is hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And like we said at the top of the episode, the kind reviews and the ratings really, really mean a lot to us. They help us out a lot. So if you have a few minutes, please take some time to leave a rating and review the podcast. Thank you so, so much for being here with us every um, every episode we get together. And thanks for tuning in to episode 92 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.